On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. I am pleased this afternoon to be talking to someone who I've known for a long time, way before the Obama administration. Um, Let's talk about the Clinton administration. I'm talking about former U.S. Attorney General, none other than Eric Holder, who was contemplating running for president but decided not to. Uh, Thanks for joining me, sir. Hey, it's good to be here, April. Always good to talk to you. Yes, yes. So what I initially wanted to talk about, and I still want to talk about this, um, and this is still in the news, people are still trying to come to grips with this midterm election. Uh, There was voter suppression. Uh, There was uh, blatant, overt voter suppression. We saw it in North Dakota. We saw it in Georgia. We saw it in Texas. We saw it in Florida. We saw it in North North Carolina and other places. Talk to me about the Dems' efforts to work on every vote counting in a time when voting rights has basically been stripped. We're voting without the full enforcement of the voting rights law. Well, I think that, you know, protecting voting rights and fighting back against these voter suppression efforts, um, this is, I think, just a continuation of the civil rights struggle. And I would actually say that this is the civil rights struggle of this of this time, um, protecting and ensuring that everybody has um, the right to vote. And that means dealing not only with voter suppression, um, it also means dealing with the problem of gerrymandering. So I think those are really two sides of, uh, of the same coin. Because you see a, a correlation. You know, in those places where you see the greatest amount of gerrymandering, you see Republicans using that power to pass uh, discriminatory voter ID laws. And so you see that in places like Florida, North Carolina, Texas, and Georgia, but it also happens um, in Wisconsin and in, in, in Ohio. So this is not just something that is restricted to the South. This is something that we see uh, around the country. So if you can, if you will, let's talk about gerrymandering. It's redistricting, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's break it down in layman's terms, because that's one of the things that we find with a lot of people. Um, you know, we talk so cerebral about issues that affect them and they don't know what the heck we're talking about. Talk to me about the issue of gerrymandering and how it's really. And this is what you're working on right now. Redistricting right. efforts. Talk to me about the importance of the correct distributional formula or proportionality so that every vote counts and you are represented by someone who has the thoughts and ideals that you do. Talk to me about that. Sure. Well, I mean, I mean it, there's a process that is involved. Every 10 years we have a census and we have to make sure that we have to have a fair census in 2020. And then the year after that, um, reapportionment happens, redistricting um, happens. And we want to make sure that we have a fair process there. What happened in 2011 is that, uh, the, which is the last time we redistricted, uh, Republicans used the power that they got in that 20, those 2010 um, elections to draw lines in such a way that they guaranteed that Republicans would make it, e- would make it easier for Republicans to win state legislative seats and ultimately congressional seats as well, uh, as opposed to their uh, Democratic um, uh, opponents. They drew these lines in, in such a way that made it almost impossible for Democrats to win and almost impossible for Republicans to lose. And that has a great um, impact on the the impact on the effect the, the value of a person's vote if you're in a, a district if you're a democrat if you're a progressive if you're an african american if you're a person of color um, in a place that is a republican 
stronghold, a Republican gerrymandered um, district, your vote will not count as much as somebody who is in a truly competitive um, district. And so what the, we're trying to do with the National Democratic Redistricting Committee is to come up with a way in which we make this system more fair, not more partisan. We're not trying to gerrymander for, for Democrats. We just want to make the system more fair because I believe if we have a fair system, Democrats and progressives will do just fine. Republicans think they have to cheat in order to win. I don't think Democrats have to have to do that. So realistically, let's be realistic about this. Um, you know, we've been having this issue with voting for every vote being counted. That's been a problem since, I mean, for centuries, really. Um, but in the 1960s, you know, Dr. King marched for voting rights. And we're back in 2019 trying to deal with issues, like you say, gerrymandering and 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 making sure that, um, you know, some preclearance, some preclearance issues are put back into voting rights, primarily, I guess, for all states instead of just southern states. What is the reality that this is going to happen, especially when Republicans are upset on the Hill? The Democrats are doing uh, investigation into this issue of voting rights and, 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 and voter suppression. And then you got the president who told me right the day after the midterm elections to sit down because I was asking about voter suppression. He didn't want to deal with the issue. What is the reality of making sure that every vote counts, that, that there is proportionality with this redistricting? What is the, the reality with this? Yeah, well, you know, we are now, you know, past 50 years um, beyond the passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which I think is rightly considered, you know, the jewel of the civil rights movement. And some of the issues, you're right, that we were dealing with back in the 60s, we have to deal with again today. And some things have been have been changed, modified, techniques have been changed or modified, but it's all with the same aim, which is to keep... Um, progressive people of color, younger people, um, poor people away from away from the polls. I mean, the gerrymandering that was done by the Republicans in 2011. Uh, you're right. It's, this has been going on for some time, but you have to understand what happened in in 2011. Princeton did a study and said that the gerrymandering that the Republicans did in 2011 was the worst gerrymandering of the past 50 years. And so that's the that's the background that we are working um, against. That's the that's the effort that we are working uh, against. Uh, you know, there's no question that following the election of, of Barack Obama by a really young, diverse coalition, you know, Republicans got to work in suppressing the vote um, and then choosing who could participate in the electoral um, system. They've done it through, I would say, rampant partisan and racial gerrymandering and, and voter ID laws. Um, that overwhelmingly impact people of color as well as the poor. And that is a civil rights struggle all over again, and that's why I'm in this, uh, in this effort. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, I mean, and for someone, and I'm just going to say this, I'm an African-American who understands her history. I don't understand how we got here to this place. You think once laws are created, once people have died for this, not just Dr. King, but so many people that we wouldn't have to go back. What is really, in your opinion, the reason why we are digressing instead of progressing? Well, I, I think the Republican Party is concerned about its, uh, its future. 
it, it sees that it doesn't have necessarily the issues to win the majority of the votes. There are demographic changes happening in this nation that are not favorable to the Republican Party. And so they've had to come up with new ways in which they try to maintain their control of state legislatures and of, of Congress. And what they have tried to do is to talk about this you know, this, this notion of, of voter fraud, which they have to get out there and then somehow combat when they can't come up with, you know, any cases or many cases at all. You know, the Brennan Center did a study and said that you're, uh, you're more likely to get hit by lightning than to cast an in-person um, fraudulent ballot. And yet Republicans make it seem as if this is happening, you know, all over the place. And so, yeah, it, it, you know, and this is a little different than maybe what um, the, the, the second group of founding fathers, as I like to call them, the, the, those civil rights um, giants of the 1960s. It's a little different than what they had to confront. But the aim is essentially the same, and that is to keep people away from, away from the polls. Um, you know, we won great victories in the 1960s, but progress is something that you can't simply achieve and then think the battle is over. Progress, once obtained, has to be protected. And so that's what we are trying to do now, to regain that progress um, that was made um, and to protect those gains and, and to expand upon them and to make the system more fair. Voter ID, is that fair or unfair? Typically, it's it's unfair um, in in the sense that voter ID is supposed to reduce the level of um, of fraud when we don't see any great amounts of fraud. But here's the deal: there's always been a requirement that before you cast a vote that you prove you are who you are. It's just that these measures that Republicans have put in place are a lot more prescriptive, a lot more restrictive than you used to have. When I remember voting for the first time in, in New York, and I just had to show, um, I don't know, like a rent bill, you know, anything that would show that I was, in fact, uh, who I claimed to be. And now they're saying, well, no, you've got to have a, a photo ID that you could only get you know, on certain days, in certain places, and in certain some some places where, if you don't have the necessary background, uh, backup material, then you have to pay a certain amount of money in order to get that backup material, so that you can get the, the photo ID. You had that in, in, in Texas; you had to pay twenty-two dollars for the backup material, and that's that's in essence a, a poll tax. So, um, yeah, the the need for photo ID. I don't think is necessary. We should broaden to the extent that we have to prove who you are before you cast the ballot. Go back to the way um, it, it was, where you could come up with a whole range of things uh, to prove um, you know, who you are. Hmm. So I'm going to shift a little bit. I'm going to shift a little bit. Um, why didn't you run for president? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, part of it is because of the, um, the work I'm doing here. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm in midstream with regard to the work I'm doing for the NDRC. And this is important stuff. I mean, this is really, really important stuff. This is going to shape our democracy, certainly for the next 10 years, and, and you know, perhaps even beyond that. And so there was that concern, that I had this work that I needed to um, complete. And then, you know, it's interesting. When people say they're going to run for president, and I've heard people say before, and they say it's, it's a family decision. And as I confronted that decision-making process, it, I, did, I understood that it really is a, a, a family decision. And um, it's just not the right time for, um, you know, for, for my family for a variety of reasons. So a combination of those two things, just not a good time for my family, and um, my commitment to making sure that I see to the end uh, this work on the um, 
the, the protection of, of voting rights through the NDRC. Where are we as a nation with this president, Donald J. Trump, leading us? Are we in constitutional crisis? Are we in crisis? Where are we? Well, I, I think that we are um, certainly in a crisis. Um, he has blown through norms that govern the way in which the executive branch um, interacts with Congress, the way in which the White House interacts with the Justice Department, the way in which the president interacts with the um, attorney general. Um, he has you know, taken us out of treaties that matter a great deal, the Iran nuclear deal, um, taken us out of the, uh, the, the climate accords, the Paris climate accords. Um, he has weakened NATO. So I think we're in a, not only a constitutional crisis, but also on a, on a policy level. Uh, he's pulled the United States um, off the field in, in places where we have always been the leader, and he's created a vacuum that is being filled by um, countries that are our adversaries, the Chinese um, in, in particular. And um, this notion of America first, uh, without understanding that the world is in fact getting smaller and that American interests are served by um, promoting America and American ideals um, in the third world, um, in Asia, in Europe. Um, all of these things, things matter. And he doesn't have um, the vision, the, um, the experience, or, or I think the intellectual heft to, um, to understand all of that. Well, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, do you have anything else you'd like to add to talk about? Well, here's what I'd say. Um, I think people need to be focused on this issue of voting rights, this question of gerrymandering and focus on the issue of having a fair census in, in 2020. Um, people died. People sacrificed. People committed their lives to ensuring that we have a more fair system. As I said earlier, I talked about that second set of founding fathers, people like John Lewis, Dr. Martin Luther King, Lyndon Johnson, who really tried to make sure that the American people, all Americans, had the right um, to vote. And it is our time now to make sure that their work was not done in vain. And so I would urge everybody to get involved in this fight for a fair electoral system, a fair census count in 2020, a fair redistricting process in 2021. You know, I always say Dr. King said that the arc of the law universe is long, and it bends towards justice, but it only bends towards justice, I think, when people put their hands on that arc and pull it towards justice. It is now our time to pull that art towards justice and fight for a more fair America. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.